0: Music, news, entertainment, it's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show.
1: Hi, it's Kelly, and joining us on the show this week is legendary Canadian DJ and producer MC Mario, who has just released a new single called Breakaway and has a new compilation album coming out very soon. We speak to Toronto singer-songwriter Lydia Prasad about her new album, Let Me Show You. We're also joined by our music editor, Sharon Highland, chatting about the relevance of Las Vegas residencies, and we showcase some new music for you from Ali Brooke, James Arthur, and Tyler Shaw. MC Mario has sold over 3.5 million albums and is the only Canadian DJ to win a Stanley Cup as the official DJ of the Montreal Canadiens back in 1992. Mario, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Hello, how are you? I am great, and I'm. What so- an
0: introduction! I love it.
1: <laughs> I try to have all the facts, all the facts, <laughs> and uh, I should let my listeners know that you and I are actually colleagues here on Virgin Radio, uh, which is the radio station that we both work for. So, Absolutely. very happy to have you on the podcast. And here's the thing: you and I have been colleagues for a long time, but I've never actually asked you this. Can you take us back to the beginning? How did you get into music, and who are your busy- biggest musical influences as a kid?
0: Well, it's uh, let's go back to the '80s now.
1: <laughs> That's good.
0: Uh, a disco, a bit of, uh, you know, uh, the new wave era. That's, that's when I started. So the page mode and, uh, everything else, new order, the cure. And, uh, that was it for me. I mean, when I heard, uh, all this amazing music, you know, and I started as a DJ in a, in a youngster club and cause I, I wasn't like old enough to play in a real club. <laughs> so, for a year, and then downtown Montreal at La Folie, and then uh, 1234, the original Limelight, uh, then crossover to radio on CKMF back then for a few years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then a station called Mix 96, FM 88 size back then. And uh, I stayed at the same company uh, for, I mean, I think, I think it's 25 years now. So from FM Gatamani Sires to Mix 96 to Virgin Radio.
1: That's and awesome. here we are. Here we are. Now, did you know as a kid that you wanted to be a professional DJ? Like, was that always the plan?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, well actually, at the beginning, you know, it was like hockey, hockey, hockey. Yep. And then I, I stepped in a, uh, a DJ booth at one point. And then I said, "Wait a minute, this is it." My 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 dad wanted me to be a lawyer, and that was the plan. But uh, I stepped into a, a DJ booth back then, and I said, "Wait a minute, this is so cool!" And uh, I didn't want to know anything. Uh, I mean, the the lawyer business was uh, was done. <laughs> from that night on
1: that's awesome
0: <laughs> apparently i was not gonna like it was like there was no uh open doors uh back then you know being a dj was like uh it was pretty rare it was maybe i don't know uh 50 djs in the in the province of quebec back then if you think about it there was not a lot you know and uh and and right now there's 50 djs in your and your family
1: yeah <laughs> Everybody's a DJ. It's exactly. true. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, I know you mentioned the, the, the list of places that you've been, uh, obviously ending up now where we are at Virgin. But I wanted to ask you, what do you consider your first big professional break? Like what really took you to the next level?
0: Uh, I would say I put a production together with Polygram and I'm on the phone with Derek Steed very nice gentleman from uh Germany and uh and I'm on the phone with him and we're waiting for numbers and uh while we're waiting he tells me, Oh I'm working on a compilation. Uh we're compiling the best music right now and uh and I'm like, Yeah, this is great. Um how are you doing this? Uh he goes he goes, you know, we're picking music and we I said, Do you mix it up? He goes, No, 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 it's one after the other. I said Derek, uh, I have an idea. Why don't you give me all the the tapes and we'll put it together? So uh, that was the first album called "Turn Up the Bass," and uh, people were requesting it. uh, Like, we want Mario's album. (laughs) You know, they would go to the the, the store and say, "H and B or whatever," and say, "We want Mario's album." So from there, I mean, we sold like forty thousand copies, but if and that's not bad at all so the second time around i said derek why don't i pick some of the tracks he goes i love it we, let's find the first time let's do it again and uh, this time well uh, let's let's make it a bit more uh you know personal so i said okay perfect so we gave it a name and uh and mc mary was born because for some reason uh Outside of Quebec, people had problem with the Tremblay name. Yeah, you know they couldn't pronounce it right. Tramway, <laughs> anything but Tremblay. <laughs> so I said, "Wait a minute, let's get rid of that name for a second. So it was uh, MC Mario, and that's it. That was the beginning of it. That was a big phone call.
1: (laughs) That was a big phone call. I love that phone call. Make sure, by the way, to follow MC Mario by checking out his website, mcmario.com. He's got all his social media handles up there. Uh, It's actually interesting that you brought up the compilations because, of course, I had questions about that. When it comes to all these successful compilations that you've had over the years, Mario, how do you go about picking the songs? Like, how do you know what's going to work well?
0: That, I, I tell you, this is like, of course, you have contacts. You make contacts and um, you know, because um, uh, like I was in, in Me them like every year, and uh, you know, building relationships with the DJs and the uh, uh, record labels, and and it's just a question of uh, picking the the, the right uh, music, and a bit a lot too, I guess. You know, as an example, at one point I picked up a uh, a, a thriller version, and we released the album in the month of uh, of June. And um, that year, uh, Michael Jackson passed away, and uh, that was like timing, you know. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's, it's you know, there's no, there's no strategy, you know. I just picked the song because it was an amazing remix, and then something happened, and then you know, it's it's all about timing, I guess. So it's, uh, timing, luck, and you gotta love music, and you gotta pick the right tracks, you know. That's that's. That's uh, but a lot of luck, I guess.
1: Talk to us a little bit as well about the fact that it's not only here in Montreal where we are that you're popular. Like you have gone across the country. Like people know who you are like across Canada. What does that mean to you that you have a name like across the country?
0: Uh, well, you know, I, I I did a lot of uh, traveling. You know, like uh, back then uh, we would uh, release an album and do the tour. You know uh calgary edmonton vancouver victoria back halifax uh you know everywhere so coast to coast basically so there was a lot of uh that wasn't luck that was a lot of work you know because you're busy uh promoting the music and promote promoting yourself so uh, back then you know like social media was uh not available back then so it was like really uh like you had to go and uh go with the vinyls and and work out the the, the, the market, you know, mm-hmm. with the local radio stations and the uh, and and the clubs. So that was the the mission.
1: Now, when did you decide to start producing your own tracks? Like when did that become something that you knew you needed to do?
0: Well, right from the gate, right from the gate because you know, actually there's the first thing I did way before I did the, um, I did the compilations. And people don't know that because back then uh, you would uh sign music, you would sign uh, the the d j was like behind the scene, so you would have the album uh the band and the d j was there somewhere in the credits, you know, so a lot of music like people don't know you know like uh, we know speak americano mm-hmm. that's a good example that was uh I was like behind the scene on Darwin and probably one of the biggest ones for me, but then at one point. We started, the DJ started to, uh, to sign its own music. And, uh, I went that route, of course. And it made total sense because every time I would release an album, I would have a signature song on it. So that was basically what the idea, you know, at least to have that one, one, uh, signature song, uh, for, for, for any album I come out with. Like right now, Breakaway will, will end up on, uh, to Factory 2019. That's, you can bet. Toonie on this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And for, for, for people who don't understand across the world, Toonie is like a $2 bill, except it's a coin here in Canada. So it's awesome. Uh, Mario, I wanted to speak to you about Breakaway. So talk to us about this new single. What makes you so excited about it?
0: Well, this is the the, the, the new one where we're currently working on a few, uh, few tracks. So you know, always like three, four tracks at the same time. But this one just came out on the 22nd. And, uh, pretty good reaction on it. Uh, it's, uh, vocals are by B1, and, uh, music, uh, we did. And, uh, the tune breakaway right now is, uh, not really radio friendly, I would say. Uh, it's a bit more clubby, mm-hmm. um, compared to, let's say, Anti Gravity or Love is Who We Are and, uh, uh music like that. So it's, it's less, uh, radio friendly, I say. But, uh, I think it's going to do well on clubs.
1: Now, when it comes to writing and producing uh, these these singles that you put out, do you have a specific process, how you work, or does it change with, with each artist you're working with or with each sort of just production that you're on? Oh,
0: that's a good question. Uh, so, Kelly, um, it, it's really different from one to the other. Like, this one was really, like, I feel like I was almost like the quarterback on this one because uh, part of the music was from... Uh, the original uh, track came out before the lyrics and the lyrics was uh, slapped on the 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 music. And then we didn't like the way it sounded, so we changed the music after. <laughs> so, And we went on with that Robin S kind of feel on it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the final mixing was done in, in the States by Paul Random. So then it changed. He changed basically the flavor of it. And here we are with the final product. So it was like a strange process in this one. Yeah. But yes. To answer the question, it's always different.
1: I wanted to get your opinion, especially because you've, you know, you've been on this roller coaster ride with regards to dance music and EDM, uh, and you've seen the ups and downs of it. I wanted to ask you what your opinion is of the current state of dance music, especially because I just read a report earlier today, funny enough, that said that that EDM is kind of down a little bit right now. Like some of the major DJs, like uh, the Calvin Harris's of the world, they're not making the money that they were maybe two, three years ago.
0: Well, you see. There was a lot of up, uh, ups and downs. Uh, the biggest down was, I would say, early 2000. Uh, everything was going hip hop at that point. Uh, it was really going, I mean, that route. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think, I mean, it's going in the same direction right now. So, uh, you know, guys like Steve Aoki and, uh, they're going like lower BPMs. And, uh, and, uh, of course with the, uh, uh, Old Town Road and, uh, you know, like this, this, this is the feel right now. This is what's going on, mm-hmm. but it's going to come back. It's, 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 it's a normal up and down kind of thing. It's like the Dow Jones. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's true. That is you know, true.
0: It's, it's absolutely normal. I mean, I mean, uh, but, but I, I agree with you, Kelly, right now. The, the, this is like, uh, going, uh, uh a
1: recession uh, a little days. bit. Okay.
0: Okay. yeah yeah okay. absolutely we see it
1: uh i've always wanted to ask you this who is your dream artist to collaborate with
0: oh from the gate from the gate it was always celine dion so uh, so i think steve Aoki is pretty uh chanteur <laughs> 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 you know he had the, the 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 honor and the pleasure to uh to work a track with, with uh celine so you know good for him i think you know, she's like, wow. I mean, t- to me, she's the one, you know, uh, from Quebec, of yep. course. Mm-hmm. But right now, of course, uh, there's so many good talent out there. But if I would have to pick a voice, let's say you tell me, Mario, pick a voice. Yeah. Pick pick a voice. Ellie Goulding.
1: Okay. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: I like that. That's awesome. Now, yeah. I uh, I wanted to ask you this. You are not only, uh, you know, an artist and a producer and a DJ and all that stuff, but you're a businessman, which you've had to be for years and years now. Uh, what do you... Like, is it challenging for you to kind of be this creative guy, but then also have to be a businessman as well? Like, is it is it hard to... Because I know for myself, I just want to be the artist, but that's not the way it has to be, so...
0: Well, at the beginning, you know, when you start, I think... Uh, at the beginning, this is the, the freedom you have as, as a, uh, um, as a new talent. You can, uh, basically go left, right, or center. And there's no expectation for anyone. So, uh, like for me in the eighties, it was like all about, uh, uh, new wave and stuff, you know, like the, uh, the, uh, the clash and uh, the cure and all that. That's what I wanted. And, uh, but of course the music, the money wasn't there at all. So at one point, you find the sweet spot as an artist and then people have a uh vision on uh like what what you what you should be doing. You know, MC Mario is this. So you gotta go that route and you gotta maintain uh maintain a a certain uh how can I say this? Uh you gotta satisfy your your people. I mean you gotta please them, you know? So of course you can't go after that, you yeah, have a sound, you have a format and you uh and that, This you you can go a bit like this time, for instance, with breakaway. I'm I'm out of the radio uh, friendly. uh, It's a bit more clubby, but people expect that from me, so that's fine, you know. But I'm not too far out there. So you gotta you gotta keep the format, you know. It's like the the radio station we work for, you know. Like they they have a sound, they have a format. They, They 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 have to to stay in that game. So it's a, it's a challenging uh, thing because um, sometimes you want to get out of it, but, uh, but okay, wait a minute, maybe this is too far. Let's bring it back, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So same thing for the music selection, I guess.
1: Okay. And before I let you go, I did want to ask now that breakaway is out, you mentioned that sun factory is on the way. Do you have any specific plans for the rest of the year or maybe the next 18 months? Like where does MC Mario want to be? Cause like you've still got a lot of octane left to go.
0: Well, I think, I think, um, we're we're uh, we're working on uh on uh on new music i mean it's gonna go i'm going more into like producing singles basically it's gonna be one comp a year uh before it was like two or three mm-hmm. now it's gonna be one comp a year the comp is just a to me it's just a business card there there's no uh everyone knows there's no money to be made with uh with uh these uh compilations anymore Uh, People compile, people compile their own albums right now, with uh, via Spotify and stuff, and they compile for themselves like way better than anyone, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. So it's it's hard to beat. Uh, So so that's not you 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 can suggest music, you know, Uh, but but uh, but um, the the way to do it right now is produce your own. This is the best way. Uh, If you're a DJ and you're not producing your own music and you don't get the big one or the big hit on the other side of the fence, it's going to be really hard. That's the only way now.
1: Okay. Well, I appreciate you putting that out there, because I think for up-and-coming DJs, this is going to be an interview they need to listen to to get this advice from someone who's been around the block. So thank you so much. It's been, uh, you know I love you, so I'm just so happy that you finally made it onto the the show.
0: Same here, Kelly. It was great. Thank you very much for the opportunity.
1: That's DJ and producer MC Mario. Grab all of his social media handles off his website, mcmario.com.
0: The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this.
1: I am very excited to be playing the song for you, it's from Ally Brooke, who is a member of the hip-hop group Fifth Harmony. The track, as you can tell, sultry and flirty, and I have no doubt it's going to be played over and over again this summer. It's called Lips Don't Lie, and if you are a fan of Ally and Fifth Harmony, you're going to be happy to know she's also working on a book about her life and the wild ride she was on when the band took off. The book is called Finding Your Harmony and will be released in 2020. English singer James Arthur, who won the ninth season of The X Factor in 2012, is back with a new single called Falling Like the Stars, and it's already receiving wonderful reviews. James knows how to stick to his wheelhouse, that's for sure, which involves a lot of acoustic sounding love songs where he is often pining about love. And as you can tell, this song is no different. James has some tour dates this summer, but they are all overseas, including back to back dates at Croke Park in Dublin on July 5th and 6th.
2: Why did you ever think to let go I complain it, I'm just saying You
1: lost his mind to hold so To the man who let her go I'm a big fan of this next artist. Tyler Shaw hails from British Columbia and actually found fame while he was a student at the University of Prince Edward Island when he entered a Much Music Covers contest back in 2012. He did very well in the competition and it didn't take long for him to be signed to a record deal. He's been consistently pumping out solid music ever since, including a song called With You. Tyler's new song just dropped and it's called To The Man Who Let Her Go and it is awesome. Very proud of him for all the great music that he continues to release. Don't forget, you can subscribe to our show on major podcast platforms like iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and Google Play. We're happy to welcome Toronto singer songwriter Lydia Prasad to the program, talking about her first album, which she has just released called Let Me Show You. Lydia, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Let's talk about your music. So, let's talk about how you describe your sound.
2: I would describe my sound as being um, kind of rooted in folk and soul. I say that I use the narrative of the folk storytelling with some of the delivery and uh, musical aesthetic of soul music.
1: Perfect. And who did you grow up listening to, and do you find that these people have influenced how you sound today?
2: Totally. I mean, I grew up listening to so much music. I started listening to soul music when I was a bit older in high school. Uh, But when I was growing up, I was listening to lots of religious music and actually some country music as well. <laughs> so that kind of snuck its way on the album as well. And the folk stuff has been, you know, has been part of my life in the last seven years, being in a part of the Canadian folk scene um, with different projects. So I think everything kind of came together for the sound of this album.
1: Can we talk a little bit about the folk scene in Canada? Because I'm just wondering, you know, do you find it's in a, in a healthy state? And do you find that... Like people have a good perception of what folk music is in Canada.
2: Interesting question. Um, I think that the folk scene is doing well in Canada here. It's considered kind of a traditional form of music and there's some cultural connections to, you know, our immigrants from Ireland and Scotland and our inhabitants in the East coast. So I think that folk music scene is, is good here. Um, I think that folk music does have a general perception of being, you know, white music, which I do think is um, not always correct. There are people like me who want to make folk music and people who have different narratives, but it, it can be via the style of folk singer songwriting. So I think that we can definitely open our minds and not only put white artists at the forefront of folk music. I mean, some of my favorite folk artists, are like the modern day Michael Kiwanuka and then also um, Bill Withers. I consider Bill Withers to be a folk musician. So I I think people like that, artists like that, need to be also put in the spotlight and credited for their amazing songwriting.
1: Do you find that there is a perception of folk music where, you know, there's this thought that, uh, you all stand up there on stage in your bare feet and are hippy dippy granola shakes. Like, does that bother? You? Like, because I just I feel like there's certain perception. Like, even even let's say with hip hop, I think everyone thinks that hip hop has its male rappers with their pants down around their ankles. You know what I mean? Like, does it? Is there a perception that you wish would change apart from um, just the whiteness of it?
2: I think that um, in terms of um folk artists like that who have their shoes off. We call those folkies. Okay. <laughs> like we're pretty aware that they're that's like very folky, very like it could even teeter into like the quote unquote hippie culture. Yeah. yeah. Um but I think that uh there are so many artists who like have their own look and and don't gear towards that. Um But I do think that we definitely can always afford to diversify a white categorized music like folk music always.
1: Also, I want to ask you about jazz because I know that you attended the jazz program at the Humber School of Music. So how does that play into who you are as an artist?
2: Oh, it's so much of who I am. I mean, Humber brought me to Toronto and it brought me to build the support system and musical community that I have. Um, and there is some Humber, you know, cameos in the album. Uh, the backup singers are from Humber. Um, some of the engineers were from, from Humber and the drummer wh- I went to Humber with. So that was, that was huge and pivotal. I'd also say that while going to Humber, I learned a lot about jazz harmony. And that's all over the album. I love my really dense harmony and those chords that are really juicy. So that's definitely in my writing as well.
1: Are you a fan of Janelle Monae at all? Oh, love her. Okay. I just figured, I feel like when you were describing some things, I'm like, I feel like she would be a Janelle Monae fan, so I was like, I'm going to ask oh, her.
2: Oh yeah, she's like so pivotal in like the revival of soul and funk and I love her, her
1: aesthetic and she's amazing. Awesome. Now let's uh, chat about uh, the album first. So um, as, as of the time of, of when we air this show, the, uh, the album will have dropped. And so talk to us about the production of it. Like, did it take a long time? Were you super picky? All that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah, we were really specific about the aesthetic for the album. Um, I had released and recorded an EP called Low Light previous to uh, the album, Let Me Show You. And the creation of Low Light really did lead to the aesthetic that we were going for. We recorded everything to tape and we um, used very minimal miking on the drums and on guitars and, and on vocals. And the mics that we used were all vintage. So we really d- generally wanted to capture this warm, blended, vintage sound that had less to do with isolation and, cl- and it being clean, and more to do with character and warmth and all of the amazing feels that we get from listening to music from the seventies and the sixties. Like it's just, it has this character there's like artifacts and dust and just, it's real, you know, versus music. Maybe nowadays I find to be very clean, very isolated, very pristine. And um, there are definitely elements of that on the album, but I think that we really wanted to keep this vintage aesthetic that will make it feel nostalgic and warm and and, and cozy in, in its sound.
1: Joining us on The Kelly Alexander Show is recording artist Lydia Prasad. Make sure you check out her website, lydiaprasad.com, for all of her social media handles. When it comes to the track listing, was there a specific way that you wanted to make sure the album was sequenced?
2: Totally. Um, that's one of the hardest things I find with making an album. I've made a couple of different albums with different projects. And that was hard with them. And this was even harder with the solo project. Um, flow is everything. Like my favorite albums, I know. If I hear one song from my favorite album, I'll know the next song and I'll know the previous song. Like it'll, it's flow is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that this album ended up panning out with flow, uh, a lot of the groovier songs ended up being at the beginning. And a lot of the, like, like this, like, I don't know, these songs that, Bring like this gentle flow, end up being in the in the latter half. Um, at least that's how I perceive it. Hopefully, there's good flow for people who are listening. Um, but I always like to start an album off with energy, so I tried to do that with the sequencing on this album.
1: When it comes to the um... Like the albums as a whole, because like right now, depending on what genre of music you are in, it's definitely a singles market. Like it's like, especially the top 40 acts, like they're just dropping singles and that's how it goes. Um, Was it always important, though, for you to keep releasing or, you know, like like you said, in other projects you've done, it's been albums. Has albums always been where your head is at?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, given my age and when I was born and when I was listening to music, albums were everything. Albums were that snapshot of where the artist was when they wrote it. And so that's kind of where my my head's been at. But I got to say, like, I I do like the single culture. I even more so like the EP culture. Mm -hmm. I think that putting six songs on an EP to give you a vibe and also excite you to either listen to it again immediately or find an an artist's other piece of work. I love that. Like, I, I love the album. And I also love being able to sit down for 45 minutes and hear like a really completed piece of work. Um, But I love the EP culture as well. Uh, Yeah, singles, it's interesting. I I always wanna like try and put many songs from one artist together if they're very single oriented, but sometimes I can't. So um, the album is where my head's been at. The album is definitely a snapshot of the beginning stages of my career and I wanted to capture that.
1: Is it important for you to tour this album? Like, are you going to hit the road?
2: Absolutely. I feel like the music is so conducive to sharing stories with audiences and connecting and and just uh, being relatable. Uh, There are a couple narratives on the album that have to do with social equality, social justice, um, body positivity, um, journeys in love as a woman um, that I really want to share with people. I feel like, I see what's happening socially, and there are so many amazing narratives that are being uncovered right now. And I, I'm living in an amazing time. I'm a woman of color, and I'm excited to talk about my stories. And I feel like that is really special, and I can't wait to go on the road and do that.
1: When it comes to the stage. Part of the show, like the staging and, and all that sort of stuff. I recently interviewed um, this country band from Canada. I've had them on the show before. They're awesome. They're called The Heels, and we had this whole discussion about uh, in their mind, and also I think in, in many genres of music now, you have no choice but to have some kind of, of um, exciting, if I can use that word, stage show. And it, and that you know, mm. it's not that you need to have you know six lighting guys or whatever and bombs going off, but. Because it's such a visual society now, and I call it the fast food society, like we just can't get enough and, and of whatever it is. And so do you feel like in the genre of music that you're doing, uh, do you need to have some kind of added element? Like they were even talking like with their style of stuff, with it being country, just even not, like obviously they're not going to get up there and bust moves like Janet Jackson, but they have like some staging that they have to get done and just even some of the uh, the band members that they've got and all that kind of stuff. Like for what you do, how do you view, view your stage show and the importance of it?
2: Yeah, I've been a part of so many projects where staging is so important. Um, but for my project, I find that it's really natural. It's really like if the band is feeling it, if I'm feeling it, there's going to be some dancing and there's going to be some moving. Nothing's choreographed. But if it's sensitive and everyone's very still and connected to the music, eyes closed, it's going to be like that. I mean, I think having been a part, as I was saying, of projects where it's like, okay, let's write on one. is like the backup dancer move, yes. like the side-to-side side shuffle. <laughs> it's like I just, I'm just so into this music being what it is. And also being reminiscent of so, many, so much music from the 70s and, and, you know, I guess the live performance elements of the 80s and, and just it being really natural, you know. I'm, mm-hmm. just, I'm kind of about that with this project and it, maybe it'll take a turn, maybe we'll hire some backup dancers, but it feels like <laughs> okay. this is kind of where it lies and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that.
1: You mentioned earlier, because I understood that you are actually from Toronto, so you mentioned earlier that you, you came to Toronto, so where are you actually from?
2: I'm from Brampton, Ontario. Okay, not too far outside of Toronto. Uh, Toronto's been a big part of my life all my childhood. Yeah. So I generally say my parents met in Toronto, so it's it's in my it's in my blood. But uh, moving and living here was it for I've been here for about ten years.
1: Okay. And do you find like because obviously I'm sure with some of your other projects you have toured around uh, parts of Canada. Are there other parts of Canada that really speak to you that maybe not that you would move there but that you're really inspired by?
2: totally i'm huge into the east coast of canada uh, and nova scotia specifically prince edward island um i love it there i've gone there just on a vacation on my own in the summertime Um, and i've developed a really beautiful community of musicians there as well there's just so much space you're on the ocean it's quiet everything's slower the people are friendly the seafood is amazing so if i was to like write another album I'd probably, like, bunker down there and do it. I, I love it there.
1: Now, where do you feel um, Canada lies in, in the world of music? Because we obviously have a lot of big artists that seem to come out of here and do amazingly yeah. well, like the Celine Dion's, the Alanis Morissette's, the Drake's, the Weekend's, the Bieber's, oh. like, the list kind of goes on. Do you, like, yeah. like have, I'm not sure if you've, you've performed in other countries, but where do you think Canada lies on the, the world scene of music?
2: Canada's very interesting. I think right now we're thriving in urban and pop, as you mentioned, Bieber, Drake, The Weeknd, um, Alessia Cara, Jesse Reyes, Charlotte Day Wilson, Daniel Caesar. Like we have an amazing roster of musicians going for us right now. The world is looking at us. The world is looking at us and they're they're like, what's next? You know? And I think that's really exciting. I mean, people come to Toronto because they want to like see Drake sitting on the CN Tower. (laughs) Like people have a really interesting perception of, of Canada right now and Toronto and I think that's super exciting like it's a really amazing time to be an artist in Toronto because the world is looking at us and uh and for good music too so um it's exciting I'm I'm stoked to be a part of it
1: where do you see yourself in like the next 18 months to five years like do you have specific plans kind of laid out for yourself I realize the universe does what it wants to do anyways but do you have plans that you're trying to accomplish
2: I mean, I really want to grow this project, like with all my heart. I want to put all my love and energy into this project. I say that because I've been doing other projects for ten years, and now I'm finally ready to, to put energy into into myself. I want to be touring everywhere. I want to be growing um, an audience. I want to be playing bigger and bigger festivals. I'd love to release more music. I already am starting to write more music. I want to um, connect with people. I'd love to connect with different social causes. Uh, That's a big passion of mine is giving voices to people who don't have the platforms. And so I would love to be connected with projects that have to do with helping people, the environment. Um, Yeah, I just want to grow. Really, you know, personally, musically, in every way.
1: And I did want to ask you this before I let you go. When it comes to social media, how uh, how important is it for you? Because I know as an up-and-coming artist, and I, even though I know you've been on the scene for a while, but it's just branding is so important and reaching out to your fans. So how do you feel about social media? Is it a love-hate relationship, or are you good with it?
2: Social media has been so important in reflecting who I am as a person. And I'm really, I'm really candid on my social media. I'm really silly. I'm re- very much myself. I'm very raw. I want to talk, I want to address things that people don't say when it comes to how they feel and in their private spaces, you know, we kind of hide away and, and, and I think social media totally has the element of maintaining this curated, perfect life. I kind of want to break that. And even though I have to do a bit of that, so that I'm not like totally a mess on social media, um, it's been an amazing tool and it's been an amazing tool for me as, um, as a viewer to other people's social media, because it's it's made me feel like I'm not alone in my, in my journey through life. So the way that I use social media is pretty fun and light, but I also address a lot of social issues with race, gender, uh, indigenous reconciliation, um, it's really important for me to use that platform. So I'm very thankful for it big time.
1: Awesome. It's been so great to have you on the show. I really appreciate this and you're welcome back anytime and and the best of luck with uh, promoting the project.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: That's recording artist Lydia Prasad. Check out her website, lydiaprasad.com for all of her social media handles. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the program this week. We always appreciate your time. A shout-out to our guests, MC Mario, Sharon Highland, and Lydia Prasad. Of course, a big thank you as well to our super producer, Adam Brisson, for pushing all the right buttons. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media. You can do that by jumping onto our website, kellyalexandershow.com, and we'd love for you to see all of our extra interviews on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Kelly Alexander Show. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon.
0: The Kelly Alexander Show.